Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hi, I'm Matt Davis. I'm a neurologist and sleep specialist in solo private practice in New Jersey. And we're going to be talking about new and emerging therapies in idiopathic hypersomnia. I'm here with Dr. Logan Schneider. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm a sleeping cognitive neurologist out here in Stanford area and uh, happy to chat about the therapies that are here and maybe in the future what will be coming down the pipeline. So yeah, so you know, we we ha- idiopathic hypersomnia is such a uh, sometimes nebulous disorder, and and there have been very few approved, in fact, almost no approved medications for it. Um, so what can you? T- let's talk about you know first what a, what the uh, you know previous treatments were before we had a new FDA approved medicine recently in in low sodium oxybate. What are your thoughts on some of the the older therapies we were using? Yeah, well, I mean, my thoughts are somewhat mixed. I, I think it was really just trying anything you could from the menu. Uh, they were intuitive, at least some in the, some of the main ones that were supported by the ASM's recent guideline, including wake-promoting agents and stimulants. They did have benefits in some and not middling benefits in others. Uh, typically didn't resolve the underlying condition. Obviously, it's like putting a Band-Aid on something without actually solving the underlying issue. But they made sense, right? You're stimulating somebody to more wakefulness. Uh, then there were some of those more uh, fringe therapies that, at least in certain trials, may have demonstrated some benefits uh, that were unexpected, but you know, really supported by some of the work that was coming out of Emory, suggesting maybe there's some substance floating around in the brain making you sleepier. And so if we can block that substance action, maybe that is actually a way to promote wakefulness. And I think this is you know, informed pipelines of therapies that ultimately are going to try and stop that sedating type of uh, brain signaling. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was anything that we could try to try and figure it out. And as you mentioned, we don't know what one individual's idiopathic hypersomnia is caused by. And so it's hard to create a tailored therapy that appropriately addresses it. And so it was really just try what's on the menu. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and you know, my my strategy was always to to start with modafinil or armodafinil because there there seems to be a little bit more evidence for that. And I think the ASM has that on the top of their list for for treatment guidelines. But yeah, it's always been a challenge because we we aren't exactly quite sure what we are treating here. So it's just a matter of of treating it symptomatically. And uh, yeah, I I kind of uh, always stuck with our our you know our experience with wake promoting medicines. Um, and not some of those more fringe therapies, but but there are those patients who 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 respond to to some of these more unusual medicines unexpectedly. But then, of yeah. course, the FDA approved uh, low sodium oxybate a few years ago for idiopathic hypersomnia. I found it to be very effective. You know, the theory being that it's treating some of the underlying sleep dysfunction, particularly helpful for these patients with you know their unique symptoms of like sleep inertia, for example, which. Um, it's it's really, I, in my opinion, the only thing that's really really treating that in these patients. What are your thoughts, and what has your, been your experience over the past couple of years using that? Yeah, I, I have a similar experience. Also, well, as uh, I've been trying to rationalize the mechanism by which it's working in my mind, since we don't yeah, have a good yeah. answer on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, we have a lot of decades of data of its usage in folks with narcolepsy, and in those individuals, one of the hallmark pathologies 
or I guess symptoms of the pathology is the disrupted nocturnal sleep. And so presumably if you're improving the sleep itself, then you might see the improvements in daytime function as well. And I think the thing that felt quite intuitive about that is if you look at Bogan's data from 2015, that the accrual of benefits in sleepiness and cataplexy management uh, accrue over time. And that's kind of like the intuition that we have when you pay off debt slowly from a sleep def deficiency standpoint. So I started to uh, you know, analogize that to the practice here in idiopathic hypersomnia management, as well as when we treat with CPAP and we resolve the sleep fragmentation, you're less sleepy during the day. And so I looked at it more as like effective sleep. And I do see that in patients generally is that they have less of the inertia, less of a desire to sleep during the day, and in fact, need less sleep. In fact, in the clinical trial that got the FDA approval, essentially those folks who started on once nightly because they couldn't wake up and take that second dose ultimately ended up being, many of them ultimately ended up being able to take that second dose. And in fact, one of the side effects of this medication can be insomnia. So I look at that and say, well, maybe over time it eventually is resolving that sleep dysfunction so that they can function during the day. Yeah, that's exactly how I'm looking at it. I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, just in our last few moments here, you, you're more attuned to some of the uh, emerging therapies than I am because you're you're in kind of this academic environment that I'm not. What are your th thoughts about where things might go? I'm actually hopeful for the uh, the erexin agonists uh, working on various things. It's becoming much more uh, sleep medicine specific, knowing how the the sleep wake mechanisms work. Cool, very cool. Well, thank you for your attention and I hope uh, this was uh, meaningful for people uh, watching. Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME LLC, and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.